Welcome to You Hear Big Girls, Attack on Titan podcast. I'm Mom Taku. And I'm Luna. Welcome, herzlich willkommen, and bienvenue to this month's podcast. <laughs> That's new. I like it. <laughs> this month, we're excited to have none other than Stiller as our guest. And anyone who's been in the fandom for a long time will recognize that name. He was former head mod of the subreddit, former host of the original cast of the Titans podcast, and longtime Annie fan. So Stiller, we appreciate you being here. Welcome. Thank you very much. I am happy to be here. I'm excited to talk about this chapter. Did you enjoy this chapter a lot? Annie is finally back. Yeah, I did. I think it's fair to say that I, uh, I had the thought for this, my impression for this chapter, the word that came to mind, I had a single word and that was catharsis. Hmm. Uh, because I had so much that I was waiting on for Annie, like when she came back, the things that I was waiting for, the development I wanted to see from her, like the answers I wanted to get, I got a lot of them from this chapter. I got most of them. So I'm very happy with the way this chapter turned out. It's not actually exactly the way I wanted it to go for her, uh, but it went well. And I guess there's the promise of more, which is also very exciting. Yeah, there's some things that I'm still waiting for. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for more results now than anything. Now that the remaining questions I had about her have been answered, now I get to join everybody else in waiting for the resolution to the plot and some of the details on these threads that haven't been finalized and such and such. I've just kind of been behind because she's been gone. I loved this chapter. Now, I'm going to go next, Luna. I know you usually go second, <laughs> but since you hated it, I want to build on what um, what Stella said. I, To me, this chapter, it just made me feel optimistic. Like, I'm never, I've never been here for the Titan battles. I don't enjoy the blood fest and the fighting. I, I care about the characters, and everybody got a little development. I mean, I've seen some complaint that the... The chapter maybe you spread too thin on everybody, but I love when the whole ensemble is there, when half the cast is freaking out, but the other half is mobilizing. And I just, I've kind of been in a funk lately, I guess, you know, the recent chapters with Paths and, and it, it all just felt so dark. I was starting to lose hope that the ending would be anything other than abysmal. But this chapter made me feel good. Like I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe Isayama's going to come through on ending that is, it's hard to say satisfying for the reader because some won't be satisfied unless this is total annihilation, but satisfying for me, which would be something, you know, cruel, but beautiful. So what about you, Lynn? I have the inside scoop here that you are not happy. You want to tell us about it? Well, you make it sound like I absolutely loaded the chapter. I was just eh about it. You were eh. Okay. You were yeah. a three on a one to five. Yeah, that's right. And that's mostly because this was uh, a setup chapter, like not a lot of things actually played out. It's just like setting everything up. And I don't mind that, but it's like we're so close to the end and it feels like all the plot lines are diverging again. And I'm like, So are you worried oh. that they're not going to come back together in time or that they're going to be abandoned or just that this series is never going to end? <laughs> Closer to the latter, I think. <laughs> But yeah, I'm just wondering, like, if he's planning to end this in 11 chapters, how, how, how can it be satisfying? Because I'm already not as invested in this series as I once was, and I really want it to end well. 
but I'm I'm kind of lackluster about it lately, and this chapter kind of did nothing to sway my opinion. The only part that I really liked, and I hate myself for saying this, was Floch, because his interaction with John was just really good and compelling. Um, but there were so many things that I thought were superfluous to the story at this point. And I'm glad that Ani is back for you, Stiller. I really am. But I'm like, why did she come back this late in the game? What does she have to offer? And and why does her backstory matter that she's adopted? Why why is that in there? Like, well, already the theories of her being Kruger's daughter are all over the subreddit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I read today that Kruger died in 432. Yes, and Annie was born in or whatever uh, in 34. So yeah, so it would be some kind of magical. Uh, yeah, yeah, some. Well, it could be the case that she was like artificially. The result of artificial insemination or something, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so not as bad. You're just you're ready for something to happen, and it's just not yes. happening. Yeah. Yes. I think. Well, looking at the um, the poll results again, the I just refreshed it a few minutes ago. We've had the poll online now for what two days, three days, some, and twelve hundred responses, mm -hmm. and uh, the number of people who gave it. A five are less than 50%, which I don't remember last month. Last month was down two, but um, that's definitely not as high as, like, the absolute enthusiasm screaming is not there that uh, we saw in some of the past <laughs> chapters in the earlier ones, uh, or last year's chapter. I guess we can say last year now. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say more people agree with you than me. I, I gave it a five. I just, I was just so happy to feel hope. <laughs> and maybe maybe I'm being set up for the huge crash, but I hope not. There's definitely an ebb and flow to these chapters. Like within the past five chapters, let's say, we've had a lot of actual action scenes and plot, actual main plot development going on instead of just character development. So when we get a slower chapter like this, I think people had been wanting continuations of the things that were going on and when we kind of break off from that it disappoints people a little bit so i think it makes sense and if the next chapter is anything like this one we'll continue to see a trend like that a lot of people just want to see the rumbling like they just want to see <laughs> what happens and they didn't get that most people aren't like us and say oh the character development oh, i like the things that this character is doing yada yada they say i want to see that guy kill that guy I want to see these titans go march over there and stomp on these people. I want to see. I want to see Aaron finish the damn story. Yeah, uh, it's a it, it's a mixed audience. You get not everyone's going to be happy with the way mm. the chapter turns out. Some people are looking for different things. Yeah, and and the monthly nature of it gives us so much time to kind of like hope and want Shoot. and wish and think, and then you have to wait another thirty days. I think people that come into this series late, read it in the Chunkabon format from start to end, are going to feel so much more satisfied than those of us who like trudge through the monthly weight game and the crushing disappointment every month. Like I know you want to see Reiner. If you have a favorite character and nothing happens with them for six months, it's hard to stay enthused. Or seven years. <laughs> yeah, or seven years. <laughs> Well, let's get into our chapter discussion now. And Luna, you actually bought the French version this time, and I, I don't did. know why. But... This is the first ever chapter that I bought. I normally read a oh. Crunchyroll, so this is the first actual chapter I own. 
Okay. And since the leaks were in French and I loved the leaks, I was like, yes, I'm going to buy the whole thing in French now. And it's brilliant. True or false? Did the people, the um, residents in the opening scene actually say you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs? Or was that a fan translation? No, that was in the official France, French <laughs> translation. Are you serious? Yes. That's uh, unreal. Yeah, well, it's, other- <laughs> it's so, it's so <laughs> quintessentially French. I, was, I, I read it and I, was, and I just went, omelette du fromage. Because <laughs> it's so... <laughs> I mean, it's like, well, the, the, the end justifies the means. And they were just like, no, we have to put an omelette in here to make it sound extra French. <laughs> Did they, and they changed the names of some of the characters? Um, yeah, well, Jean is obviously, obviously still Jean. And, and pronounced that uh, way, officially. I, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mikasa is Mikasa. Armin, I don't know. I think it was Armin. But then uh, Floch is frock or frock. Like a dress. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the same word for dress? Yeah, but then okay. pronounced French, I guess. Mm. And um, cold isn't cold, but cold. And oh, there were others that, oh, yeah, then they changed the spelling on some of the characters' names. Okay. But, but so. you enjoyed it. I did. It was fun to read it in the French version. I saw the French people hate on it because it's like, oh, they translated it literally. But for me, it was really fun to read it in something else in English. And also to compare the translations, the English one to the Japanese one. Did anything stand out there as far as, uh, like, no no real difference, I would imagine? Um, Yeah, just like with the omelette thing, just like something closer. (laughs) They say a lot of, like... um, like the curse words, like, God damn it, it's always the same. It's always bon sang, like, oh, God mm. damn it. And I'm like, okay, you can switch it up a little, but they don't. Uh, and, oh, we did get the, the editor's note at the end. Okay. And I like the French version better because there's no, like, it's just more general, that, like, that uh, there's still a mission left for Levi to finish. Something along those lines. It Was didn't it? get into that soldier That's, versus yeah, those soldiers. No soldiers. Versus, yeah. Which I thought was great. Yeah. My understanding after reading dozens of posts on the topic is that Isayama is deliberately vague in those and that there's any number of translations for that that are perfectly correct. It all depends on context or what you think the context yeah. is. So, and yeah, it's seeing as we don't really know for sure, I, I like the French version because it went with something. They just punted on the issue entirely. Yeah. 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 And, and instead of leaving it out completely like it never happened, like the English. Speaking of the French, I came home today and I got a letter from France. Okay. And it included uh, a keychain with Gabby and Falco. Uh, Who sent it to you? I don't know. I guess you can use this platform. Whoever sent Luna the... (laughs) uh... Uh, And I hope the keychains are for sale because it's super cute. I'll definitely leave a link if they're for sale and otherwise I'll show a picture and maybe she'll put them up for sale. Okay. Wow. That's what a nice day. Huh. Yeah. So it was a pleasant surprise. I was like, oh, we're going to talk about the chapter that leaked in French. And now I got my merchandise from France. Wow. Are you wearing a beret today or did you have a croissant <laughs> for breakfast? 
I don't own any berets, so no. Okay. You'd look <laughs> cute in them, though. I will officially say that. <laughs> All right. Well, the chapter opened with the residents of Stohess reacting both positively and negatively to Aaron's actions. In fact, some people felt like maybe Isayama was teasing at the fandom's reaction, kind of that polarization that we see happening. We asked on the poll which expression of the crowd people are most sympathetic towards. And I think that really highlighted the polarization. I mean, we basically have... It's almost an even split. You know, it, 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 if Isayama was trying to make one side look better or worse, I don't think he succeeded since we're still in our same camps. Everyone's kind of hunkered down into the Aaron is defending his people versus Aaron is creating a disaster versus I don't know what Aaron is doing. I'm here for the ride. I think it raises the question of whether or not he keeps a pulse of the fandom and, you know, if, if this is his way of addressing that. Does I don't know that there's anything official on that, but I was curious if you all think that maybe it's possible he's trying to speak about fandom commentary. I was, I, I'd like to put it out there. I don't think he's trying to draw people to one side or the other of the conflict. I think he's making it more of a thematic appeal here to highlight the way that war drives people apart. This is a war, I think this is a war theme. This is the message that we should take away from this is that you can't, if you take a side during this war, you're creating the same type of conflict that continues the cycle. I think for the reader, what you want to take away is not picking a side between the conflict, but simply trying to understand the perspectives of all the different elements in the conflict. I guess trying to figure out what the resolution should be in your own kind of way, but thematically the way he's painting it is, is that war and the way that it happens and the way that it affects people, it's not easily controlled and you kind of have to make the best of the situation that you're in. So to answer your question, I don't think it's related to trying to take a pulse of the fandom or trying to point them in a specific direction. I think he wants us to take a step back and look at this at a bigger level thematically. That makes sense, especially considering that the people who are in charge in that scene, they just decide, you know, we better go get the riot gear. This is going to get ugly. Or this has the potential to get ugly. You don't see Hitch or the man she's talking to offer any opinion. We better go do the thing that we can actually control. If we get weighed down in the politics of it or the partisan, you know, one side of the other aspects of it, you kind of get stuck in a mire and nothing gets accomplished. So the guys who actually are trying to make things happen are the ones who are helping progress the story here. This conflict between the two teams is just just chaff, basically. So we go from there to the the reintroduction of Hitch and Annie, which was everything I wanted. But um, we do have an ask from Twitter from Haunters. Uh, I think this would be a good question for you, Stellar, since you've been invested in her character now for a decade. How do you feel about the new context of Annie's backstory? Were you underwhelmed, expecting a bigger twist, or do you think it's enough to make us care about her for so long? So here's your chance. What did how did how did that work for you? First off, I should say that since I had been invested in the character for so long. I had kind of predicted the way there was there was there was a huge chunk of time devoted to what happens when Annie leaves the crystal. What is the action that she takes? Where does she go? Who does she talk to, etc. So I had a basic idea and plan that I had expected to see happen. We had we talked about it on older podcasts before. Uh, this is pretty much exactly what I expected. Uh, there were some bits that were 
change that I wasn't expecting, that I couldn't have known, like whether she was conscious at the time during the crystal, how much of that she absorbed, etc. But her leaving the crystal, her interaction with Hitch, and the scene with them going to the horses, we'll get to in a minute, but this, this is pretty much exactly what I expected. I was not underwhelmed because it met my expectation. Does it make other people care about her after so long? If you if you did not care about Annie's backstory and if you did not care about her development or her role in the story before this, this will not do anything to persuade you now. You if you are interested in learning what the appeal is to Annie's character and you, you want to try and get on the the hype train or like if you want to try and understand what is appealing about her, you kind of have to go back to what she was doing when she was introduced because she was a huge foreshadowing element and she influenced a lot of characters in a lot of ways and her being reintroduced to the story now I think gives her the opportunity to do the same thing that she did then which is influence other characters in ways that they are not currently acting upon like I think she has the potential to have huge interaction with Aaron uh, if she mm-hmm. ran into Connie, she'd have a huge interaction with Connie. If she runs into anybody, she can develop, she can be a foil to any character right now. I have ideas of what she's actually going to be trying to do right now, uh, but I'm not expecting any twists from her. There's, I don't think there's any shocks or surprises that we'll get from her going forward. The only thing I can think of in that vein would be if she gets involved in the Aaron story, like in the main plot, and she becomes part of the main plot again to influence how the story ends. I could actually see that happening, but my the prediction that I'm sticking with is that she is going to close out her character arc and finish her story, basically. There are some things that she has yet to answer for herself as far as returning to her dad and getting that closure about I have people that actually care about me. This is what it's like to have someone care about me. This is the kind of life that I could have. Do I still regret the things that I did? Am I able to, would I be able to live like this? There are a lot of social answers that she needs to get for herself moving forward. And I think that's the direction her story is going to go unless she gets involved with Aaron. They have both done terrible things and they have both accepted that they're going to try and live with the consequences. Annie is the long-term version of that plan and has seen what it does to a person and would be someone who could influence Aaron as far as what decision he needs to make. Except that she said she's planning on doing it, she would do it all over again. So, And then this is probably Aaron's mindset as well. But I agree. I mean, she could be j- judge and jury for several of the cast members. I, th- I think it's leading up to Armin being the character that she gets to play judge and jury for now. I mean, he seems to be the one most terrified of her reappearance. I don't think that has anything to do with his fear of her, more his fear of her assessment of him. I think Birdholt has some influence on that too. I'm not sure on that. That one I, I dug my heels in on. I'm not, I don't like the whole memory inheritance being introduced. I don't either. I think that's garbage. If we want to talk about, if we talk about mechanics, like the past right. and all this, <laughs> I will sit here and rant 
for as long as you let me. That I <laughs> we need to get we need to get you and Nitaku and just uh, do <laughs> like I was I was talking with um a few people yesterday about doing you know some one off podcasts like you know World War Two and the Attack on Titan connection. We need to do the mechanics of Attack on Titan. Go ahead and complain with Neat oh. and Stiller. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would do that for sure. I have a lot of And we would lose all our listeners in the process. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we made it clear that the views of these people are not necessarily the views <laughs> of you here, big girls. Yeah, well, the thing is, though, um, I, the only thing I can see happening is Ani actually trying to stop Aaron because Aaron right now is between her and the only thing that she wants, which is go home and see her father again. So I want to go back to Mom's point for a minute about how Annie had said that she had made she she had committed the sins that she has to live with and she would do it again. Mm-hmm. Aaron's in a position where he does not have to make that decision. He doesn't have to. He he can choose to avoid that if he wants to. He's done. He's he has committed some things that would be hard to take back, but he's not in the same position that she was. Not yet. With well, no, his, his family, his family is safe as far as he's concerned. It's, you know, he doesn't have somebody he cares about in Liberia right now. He does have Mikasa and Armin, though. Yeah, but they're in paradise, or paradise, however we want to pronounce that, you know, mm-hmm. perfectly safe for the time being. That's For the, for the time being, though, <clears throat> I feel like if the conversation happens between Annie and Aaron, they have to look long term and think about what the consequences are going to be of the rumbling, because it's not just a, it's not just a, it's just, it's not just an in-game nuke that prevents any further conflict ever again. Right? No. That's why he has Flock. Aaron destroys <laughs> the danger on the outside. Pass it all. Pass gets rid of all the dissidents on yeah. the inside, and then everyone lives happily ever after in this fascist society. Right, and there are no other problems, there are no other yes. <laughs> harsh feelings anyone has, there will be <laughs> any kind of resistance movements or retribution, mm. nothing like that. I mean, Hitch's line, the only the only meaningful job I've done as a soldier has been cleaning up corpses and rubble in the aftermath, in your aftermath, and now Aaron's. I mean, if she it, does it, if Hitch is That what I was talking about with yeah. the... Uh, with the ambiguity of picking a side between the two forces, because I think grand scheme of things in the story, we have a lot of uh, cycle of violence type messaging that's going on here, especially with Aaron and the decision that he has to make, how that's what, what, what consequences come of that? I have just a random dumb side question. So Isayama (laughs) hasn't drawn Annie to any large degree since chapter what 37 no when when was annie last in the story 36 i think somewhere in the mid 30s any comments on how the style of her has changed or it must be something to see page after page of annie when we've only had like six panels of her in the last seven years (laughs) the the art style has improved since then (laughs) as you would hope Uh, (laughs) i think so uh, I'm used to anime Annie, so for me it wasn't a big shock, but maybe for people who started with the manga? Yeah, she I I don't think there's been a I don't think there's a drastic change. She appears as you would expect, just with an improved art style. Her characterization is the same. She says the same types of things that she would normally say. She's in character. I don't think there's anything drastically different about her appearance here. She's beautiful. I just I I 
I don't recall. I mean, she was never a character I focused on. So there's that. But, um, you know, I was just the art, Isayama's art. When I think about how much more beautiful it's become, she's definitely the recipient of that as well. So good to see her looking so incredibly beautiful. Like 34% of the fandom is on your side still, or they absolutely love seeing Annie's backstory. And according to them, it was worth the seven year wait. Most people, though, around 60% was like, okay. Uh, but glad it was included. And I myself, I'm on the what a waste of time train right now. <laughs> it might change in the future, but right now I'm like, eh. <laughs> I guess until you get the outworking of whatever it is she's doing, yes. it could be it could be like, amazing. I need to see her be relevant and you know have her coming back make sense. I understand the perspective is she's been gone for so long. She's not. It doesn't seem like she's gonna. She's not important right now. What could she possibly contribute? Like, and this again, if you did not care about her before, you probably don't care about her now. You probably will not care about her until. She kills someone. <laughs> Inevitably kill someone. That's where it's going. <laughs> right. I think the biggest complaint I saw is that there was no new information except for some minor details that didn't really matter. But I feel like after seven years of absence from the story, he had to reintroduce her this way. That's just too long for him just to jump right in. Like he had to go back and remind us who Annie was. I think it was important. I, I was in the, um, the, it was okay. I'm glad it was included. You know, I, I was kind of in between the, the first two options. I really enjoyed it. I, and Hitch, my God, she was amazing. They were the bright spots in the story along with like Hanji and Shadis. And I think this was a hard one this month for chapter MVP. Let's go ahead and move into that one. Who did you guys pick for the MVP this chapter? I want, to give, I want to give a shout out to Hitch. I know Isiyama is not going to draw on this, but the interaction that Annie and Hitch had uh, highlighted to me the kind of character growth that Hitch has had in the time that Annie's been away. The way that she interacted with Annie is unlike the way that she would have previously. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can definitely tell that her time working still in the interior and the time she was with the Survey Corps, that bit during... Uh, what was it? Return to Shigachina, I think? No, one before that uprising. Yeah, she, she's, she's grown a lot as a character, and it was good to see her show that off in this chapter. Uh, MVP, though, like, do I, I, do I have to answer that? I, it's yeah. obvious, right? Uh, Anna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Luna? I'm trying to remember who I said was the MVP. Uh, Annie's winning, 26.8%. I know. Most people agree. It was Annie and Hitch. Followed by Hanji. And then Flock, stupid Flock, 13.3, is nudge, is right behind. I might have said Flock, actually. Uh, I guess it depends on your definition of MVP. Like, he definitely well, was interesting. And he's yeah, Aaron's and representative. Me, I feel like the way he talked to Jean and the way, you know, that conversation went and the things he said, and most importantly, the reaction it had on Jean was the best part of this chapter. So to me, I I don't like Flock, but he was the MVP of this chapter to me. If I were going to pick a number two, I would say Shadis. Yeah. God, he was so good. Shadis, Shadis. 
Sorry. <laughs> I hope Nitaku sees the poll because I added that shadow the chattis option just for him. And if he doesn't see it, if he doesn't at least pop into our Discord and say, haha, mom, or anything like that, I'm going to be disappointed. So there we have it. Um, Motos on Twitter asked us, how much do you think Annie actually heard or knows? Follow up. I think we've gotten the follow up. What the heck is she going to do? Um, did you, I, I, this I was surprised by, we did ask in the poll if you were okay with the fact that Annie's been in this sort of semi-conscious state. And that's one of the questions where overwhelmingly people are perfectly okay with that. Almost 90% think that it makes sense. What about you guys? Now this, this feeds into the mechanics of Attack on Titan. <laughs> what did you think about her being in a kind of a nightmarish, semi-conscious state capable of hearing and thoughts? Were you okay with it? You kind of gave the spoiler away there, talking about how it's a mechanic. Yeah. Uh, because my reaction to it is uh, no bueno. I. <laughs> you know, I think it's, Wait, you I need to say it in like French. It. This is the official second language of the podcast now. I don't like it. Honestly, I feel like they could have killed her. I think they should have killed her. I don't think it makes sense that she went into this like Sleeping Beauty you know, Snow White <laughs> kind of state and then just came out of it and was fine. That, I, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> there should be, there's, there seems, there is no consequence to this because there, it would be totally nonsensical for her to come out of the crystal and have someone come in, see her when she's in a weakened state and then just kill her. That would be stupid, right? So you have to force and contrive a way to have her come out of the crystal and escape so that she can do whatever she's going to do next. The way that the crystal mechanic worked and the way that she came back, I think is totally contrived and forced and <sighs> killing Annie in the crystal also is kind of dumb. <laughs> So I don't really, I think he kind of put himself in a corner with that, with that whole move, but I, I take it back to like, oh, it's symbolism and there's a message to it. And she's got her own thing going on, even as dumb as the mechanic is like, I get it. I, I just don't like it. I think it's silly. One of the poll comments was that it sounds a bit like a sceneristical facility, but it's okay. I never heard the word sceneristical. I don't know if it's a real word. But sounds a bit like a sceneristical facility, but it's okay. But yeah, I mean, it definitely, it's one of those things we just need to sort of wave our hands on and okay, it happened. Uh, how did she, did she breathe when she was That's, in there? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, we are never going to have that answer. And, nope. nope. And it, it doesn't matter because pads right. and Titan and whatever. Well, the only thing that made it okay to me was the fact that mindless titans, according to Emir, are in sort of a nightmarish state of somewhat consciousness. So at least he didn't pull that out of nowhere. At least there's some buildup on that in previous chapters where we understand that even mindless titans are not completely lost mentally. So that was my like, okay, I'm going to give it a C minus or a D, but mm -hmm. I'm not giving it an F because, okay, there was that. I want a new chapter of Lost Girls that's <laughs> horror themed, that's based around Annie and the Crystal having these nightmares. That could be cool. That's the coolest thing about this mechanic and the only thing that's appealing about it that will never <laughs> be delivered on in any way. 
Well, that's for fan fiction. Some, I guarantee you, the fan fiction is being written, Stellar. I don't know if you read someone fan wrote fiction. That. Someone did write. Someone wrote that. I'm sure. Somebody has written the four years, and with and, and it actually, I might go look for it because I bet you it's awesome, especially if it includes really, really in character Hitch talking about boys. If it's just snippets of conversation, actually, I might go write it. That that would be a lot of. Now that we're talking what about it, John Stiller, I want this. And if it's not there, I'm writing it. It's such a good idea, right? It really is. It really is. Like it has so much potential for humor and tragedy and horror. And what attracts me to it is just Hitch. I can just imagine Hitch screaming at her. And yeah, I, you know, going basically Hitch went through the five stages of grief banging on a crystal or as did mm-hmm. Armin. So it'd be real it would be interesting to be able to explore all three of the characters that way. I, I just imagine Annie in the crystal looking at Armin and he's talking to her. And as she's looking at Armin, he's like shifting and phasing back and forth between being Armin and being Bertolt and her not understanding why she's seeing that. That's not gonna be in my fic. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about conventions and uh, this whole memory, that's like my thing. Like that is my claws out. Hate, I hate, hate it. I hate, hate it too. I do, and I, I refuse. Hate it too. And I want to believe everything Aaron said in, or 98% of what Aaron said in chapter 112 was lies and not uh, accurate. So that I, I'm holding on to that as well. He's not being influenced by Bert because Aaron was lying. Mm. <laughs> my line in the sand. So I have to warn you. Uh, I took a similar stance against mind wipes back in the day. Oh, hmm. okay. Well, that is like my biggest gripe or it was my biggest gripe with this manga. There were a couple of chapters before the mind wipes were officially confirmed where Mm -hmm. Pixis was saying things like, uh, during the uprising, obviously, but Mm -hmm. talking about how, oh, the military police, they suppress the people, they give the control information, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sitting there going, Oh, so this is like uh, military police are controlling what truth actually is. This is how they mind white people by rewriting, rewriting what history actually says is accurate. And trying to basically force lies onto myself to make a stupid thing make sense. <sighs> how, dare, how dare you try to apply logic? Yeah, how dare, that's the thing, is how dare you try to apply logic and make this mechanic better. Do you remember the book Science of Attack on Titan that came out? I would say it had to have been 2014. It was It's a very old book that actually looked at the science, and it was very funny. I enjoyed it. Uh, I read it sitting in a Barnes and Nobles. I never bought it, but like <laughs> that kind of book. But it talked about you know how what what power Bert's explosion would have had, and you know really really they they tried to apply science. A part two of that book could never be written now like the science back then versus now forget it so okay let's answer the question about annie breathing in the crystal all things are possible through paths yes so she had an umbilical cord of course she was supplied oxygen in her lungs through ymir's regeneration ability i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that works for me ymir had og ymir had some sort of little like energy going to and Annie alive. It works enough in the sense that it's stupid and we shouldn't think too hard about it. So Motos on Twitter also asked, do you think she's going to make it back to her dad? And how does she make that happen? Any thoughts there? Yeah, that's the goal. I, I absolutely I absolutely think that's the goal. She wants the, Her objective right now is, dad, go home. 
one of the options on the poll was going to the port so she can get mm-hmm. back over. That's I 100%. That's where she's going, for sure. Is she going to make it is the question. Uh, I think it's likely that it will happen, but she's headed for that port. Whether Dad's going to be alive by the time she gets there, I don't know. So what do you think, Luna? Do you think Annie's going to be reunited with her dad? If she can stop Aaron. Mm. I mean, those those airships are heading back, so... Well, they're already gone, I think. Right. So w- imagine if they're trying to mobilize a force. You know Mr. Leonhart is going to be, yeah. you know, back on... He, he well, would be the first to volunteer to go to the island at this point. Those Colossals are probably incredibly slow. Like, they're right destructive, but slow. So maybe they'd be able to hold them off for a while, at least. I don't know. The fandom so far, like 40% think that he's going to survive. And I saw a comment, somebody on Discord was talking about how this is the man that taught Annie like three different forms of martial arts, was able to endure her beating. Like, this this is a tough guy. This is, he is not a feeble, defenseless old man. This is Mr. Leonhardt. This is Annie's instructor. So I, I have hope for him. He can hold his own. No, but Karina was close to him. So who knows? Finally. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Karina takes the bolt. This is the only way Karina. <laughs> if Karina jumps in front of Mr. Leonhardt and takes the bullet, I. She would never. I know that. I know that. That's why I'm going to say that. I will change my icon to Karina Braun. I will make a Karina Braun appreciation post. And yeah, there we go. Yeah, I think he's going to be okay. I would think so too. Yeah, I did think it was pretty interesting to know that he was foreign. All this Mari speculation now about who the father is. I actually have very little interest in who the father actually is because I don't think it's important at all. No, I don't either. No. Same with Levi's father. There were so many theories back in the day about who his father was. It's, it's just a fun fact to contribute towards the world building, and that's what it is. Anything, Luna? Mm, on Annie? Yeah. No, you have to look at Stiller for that. <laughs> Well, I mean, I can I can break this down panel by panel if we want to do that. <laughs> we could have like another four hour podcast. Yes. Can we add the, can we talk about the symbolism of the young Annie stepping on the roach as she's saying the line about not kill, not caring about the things that she did? I don't care if they would live or die. I just I'm living my own life. I'm doing it the way that I was taught how to do it. That roach can die, and I don't care. When we saw that panel originally, that disturbed me so much to think that Annie was the kind of person that just killed bugs. I, I could imagine her drowning puppies. Like <laughs> that, you know, I mean, that was one of those panels that when we first saw it, it chilled me. Like I've never been an, a huge Annie fan. And it was one of those that was just like, man, this girl's psychotic. So I will just say that I was very happy to see that included here because that's one of those panels. I don't want to say it haunted me or anything, but it, it's one of those panels that, like, I will never forget. It was good that he did a callback to that, because I remember thinking, like, yeah, this is who she is. She doesn't care about other living things, doesn't really have an issue with killing, and she kind of confirmed that. There's things she holds dear now, but she cannot hold other things, in, you know, and she doesn't see the value still. Earlier, I had mentioned about the potential interaction between Annie and Aaron in the future. I think the only way that happens and has any merit is if she does reunite with her father. I should point that out. Because at the moment, she's still too cold-hearted and dead inside to have any kind of impact on 
anybody in a positive way. But reuniting with her father and like rediscovering, or I guess maybe discovering for the first time a life that has some kind of positivity and meaning behind it because she has someone that cares about her would turn her life around and I think give her the potential to interact with people in a way we've never seen her do before. I'm going to add her to my epilogue wish list, her and her dad living in a cabin. Like I, that'll, I, that's on my epilogue wish list now. Which And they're going to be neighbors, the Shadows. Oh, God, please. I, let's talk about Shadows. <laughs> you want to say it for us, Luna? Shadows to Shadows. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> His speech, we asked about that on the poll, whether people enjoyed it or thought that he was a bit too fatalistic or acting like a bystander again. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. So I, I just, he's such, such a good character. I love him so much. And I do think he's going to die. Like, I think he's next on Flock's list. And it breaks my heart because I think this man deserves a retirement. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I appreciate Shadis in the same way that I appreciate Niall. Uh, Niall is another character I think was super underrated because he filled this he filled a similar role, especially as a foil to Irwin. Uh, but Shadis, in the way that he, the way that he's that he's taking care of the cadets in a way to help them live the rest of his, their lives, knowing that his is just about up. He's basically just doing everything that he has left to do, and which is not much, but uh, he's. He's he's grounded, I think. The way that the character is grounded in himself and he understands all of the elements that are going on. He knows what his lot in life is. And he still is just contributing what he can, even if he understands that shit's bad everywhere. <laughs> I really like that these are trainees. They're wearing their trainee jackets. And ever since Shadis retired as commander, his entire focus has been giving trainees what they need to live and to survive in a hostile environment, how to fight Titans, you know, assessing them, seeing their strengths and weaknesses. Like the, this has been his job for five years. And the fact that he's still doing that job in such a honest and compassionate and such a straightforward way. I just, I love this man. I love him. And when Flock kills him, I will probably cry. <laughs> but here we are. I'm glad. I'm so glad. He's another character. Bring him back in the story. Give him something fantastic and then send him on his way. I'm fine with that. But I'm so glad he he had this kind of triumphant return. Uh, his death will be very stoic. He will take it. He will take it very. Like he took the beating. Earnestly. Yeah. yeah. He won't be begging for his life like I imagine Flock will. Mm, I'm glad you mentioned that. There's a there's a bit with that later. There's a parallel kind of uh, something mm. that's said later about is it better to is it better to die on your knees or, or live on your feet type question. Yeah. There's a distinct difference here between Shadis and Flock, with at least what's being said. Well, Shadis is also telling them to submit. So that moment with Flock was interesting. You know, he's like, you know, is it better to submit or die? No, and Shadis is telling the to pretend to submit. Right. The day will come for you to rise up, but until then, don't lose sight of yourself. Yeah. Beautiful. So he's telling them to play the long con. Because mm. he knows that if they try to beat them now, they, they have no chance of winning. 
that's, I think, an, an important line in the chapter. I feel like everyone is focusing on a, a longer term future, like they are kind of accepting that the world is being rumbled. Um, they're accepting that they can change that, that they can stop Eren, but they also kind of are accepting that the Jaegerists are in charge and they're all making plans, like how do we deal with that once once this is all over, the rumbling is over, how do we deal with the new version of Paradise? Do you think that's what's going to happen as well? Do you think that will be the Ragnarok, the new world, basically? Or do you think the rest of the world will still survive? The rest of the world will still survive. Um, this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, the cycle of violence and the cycle of conflict and the war theme that we're kind of beating over the head here. And that as a new power rises, another resistance is born, and that conflict continues forever. And the main antithesis, the main assertion of the story right now wants to be can we commit a violent action to break that cycle and have that be the end of it? And the answer to that is going to be no. I really like what you said, Luna, last week or last month about um, the video game you played. And in the end, you hear children laughing. Mm. I don't want it to go that far. I want the rumbling stopped far before that. But you know, I think woven through this chapter is the fact that this does not work. This is not the solution. This is bad. It's taking a bad situation and making it worse, and there's no way to fix that. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about uh, Mikasa and Armin and their little dispute. Sergeant Gross asks us, do you think Mikasa will have some self-reflection on how she sees her, in my opinion, unhealthy devotion to Eren, especially now that she sees what Flaw is doing? who's also a character with an unhealthy devotion to Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Gross is calling Flock's devotion to Aaron healthy. Like of all people, I would think he'd be like, <laughs> go Flock. So the only thought that I have as, as far as Mikasa's goes is if she were going to reflect on her unhealthy devotion to Aaron, that would have happened a long time ago. I don't think that's going to change up until like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen at very end of the story there will be a moment at the very end that'll make her have that change of heart but i don't think it's i don't think it's this and i don't think it's going to happen soon and my reply would be that i don't think she has an unhealthy devotion to aaron and i think she stopped with that back in rts 112 was all red herrings and confirmation bias right I mean, her instinct is still to protect the people she loves. That doesn't change. But I think this is more about shaking her confidence since chapter 112, making her really analyze how she feels about Aaron. But she's been great. I don't get where this whole she's still Aaron's slave business comes from. Because when <laughs> I look at Mikasa, I don't see it. I see her being the only one thinking, we got to take him down. And even her uh, retrospective chapter, She's the only one who said, well, he's always been like this. I just chose not to see it. She has totally made her switch. And of course, she's going to vacillate a little bit. Ending a relationship with someone isn't like taking off a pair of socks. It's like taking off your skin in some cases. Mikas is one of the few people here that's actually got her head on straight. I think this is the part of the conversation to make the distinction between what's unhealthy and what's not. 
So I think when you say that she's made the switch, that I think is the breaking point in the conversation because I would say maybe she recognizes that she has a problem here, but whether she has the willingness to actually make the change or not, I don't think has been very well described. Okay, fair enough. She knows, I think she's known for a very long time that, or she's been making efforts to make the switch and she's been less hovering and less all the things that she's been accused of, but whether she has the strength to go all the way with her conviction now is still yet to be seen. The other thing I want to say is I think there is, from the reader's perspective, there's a bit of a problem here for Boy Cry Wolf where Aaron is kind of like, obviously Aaron's the main character, but so much of the story revolves around him right now. It's impossible for someone like her to not be talking about him. Uh, So when the problem is she talks about him too much, it's kind of natural that she is (laughs) because he's the main problem right now. Exactly. At the same time, I, I, I say that to credit, like the ability to defend this obsession of hers. Quote, unquote, obsession. No, I I don't think she's fully made. She might have, like, understand. She might understand that she needs to make the switch, but I don't think she's done it yet. Okay, Luna, you will smack me down if you think I need to be smacked down. What do you think? I'm with Stiller on this one. I think, like, of course, she's seeing Aaron for who he really is. I think we can agree on that. But on the other hand, does that mean that she's turned away from Aaron? I don't think so. We see that almost everyone has given up on him. Except for her. She's like, no, we can still stop him. And I don't mean stop him as in, like, annihilate him. It's more like stop him from doing what he's doing. I think she still has hope she can turn this around. I mean, the only thing I disagree on there is I do... Well, actually, I don't think I disagree with any of that. She knows what needs to be done, but what she'll do. We The story will answer that for us. I, I don't see her killing You don't Aaron. see her killing or trying no. to kill him? No, no, I just, it's, no, it's not happening. Like I said, there's a difference between knowing what needs to be done and what's necessary and actually doing it herself. Because this is the person she she clung to for all those years. She just got the confirmation that she was uh, blind all, all this time. She she doesn't know how to act upon that yet, I think. I think it's going to take her a l- bit longer, but... They don't have that time. So I think it will be up to someone else. So you don't think it would ever be possible for Mikasa to have like a moment like Historia had where she slices the nape of the neck and gets this burst of memories and kind of concludes her story that way. You don't ever see. No. Would you like for that to happen? No. Oh. (laughs) Sorry. What do you want? What do you hope for Mikasa? What do you want from her? What do you want? To- <laughs> I, I feel like asking the whole thing. Leave her alone. What, what do you want? For- Leave Brittany what, alone. What, what can she do? What can she do to win you over? What does she have to do? <laughs> I, I feel like that's almost it, right? She can't. It's like what you said about Annie. If you don't care about Mika, so you're never, there's nothing here that's going to. I mean, it's not that I don't care. It's just like her whole, like the whole, her being an Azuma Bito or like part of the, the clan and being like, the last survivor, like that didn't go anywhere. And I don't see that going anywhere. Her character just hasn't done a whole lot of relevant things, except for like be the badass 
girl fighter and I'm okay with that, but I wish there was more to her character. And I think in the beginning there was a whole more there that Isayama never decided to explore on. And now I'm just like, well, you know, I can I can see her. I, I would be happy if she gets what she wants uh, and what she desires, which is, I think, a family. I do think that's what she wants, like people she can feel safe with and comfortable with and just... I think she's done fighting as well. Like she will, she's doing it because she needs to, not because she wants to. I think. I think this is the crux of the argument: is that if you're not supportive of her, it's because we have so little faith in her, based off of the empirical evidence, in the lack of expressive qualities and in the lack of character moment qualities from her, that the crack theory that she breaks this sort of chain to Aaron is, is kind of like a pipe dream where if you want her to have that moment that Historia had, that'd be awesome. And I'd love to see that happen, but I don't have faith. I don't trust that that's, I don't trust her. <laughs> she's, she's had so many opportunities in the past that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen at the end of the series. It'll be a huge moment for everyone. I just can't see her doing it because, like, all our life she's spent protecting Aaron, and Aaron is also doing this because he wants to protect her. I can't see her just. No, I, I can't see her doing it. I can't see her trying to kill Aaron despite what he's do doing. It. I think it'd be great if she did do it. I'd love to see. <laughs> it. But I don't trust her to actually do it. I don't believe in her. <laughs> Historia killed her father because there was no other choice. Yeah, but also because he was a shit father to her. I don't think that they factored never into really it. Interacted. I honestly don't think that factored into it. This oh is an aside, but it's whatever. It's kind <laughs> of fun. Okay, five shakes cane. Five years ago, when I was five years ago, I wrote a series of posts of my favorite character moments. And the moment I picked for Mikasa was the one where she saluted Louise. Of course, we didn't know who Louise was five years ago. But what impressed me about that moment was that she was about to leave. She was about to go check on Aaron. She was bigger fish to fry in her world. And yet she stopped to salute a young girl who wanted to express her thanks, not because she needed to, but because she knew that it would mean something to someone else. And of course, Louise just lit up at that moment. And, you know, to me, that was one of those moments that kind of confirmed Mikasa's kind of caring nature, right? This mattered to a child. Let me just mm -hmm. take this moment to give, to inspire somebody. And that's not at all out of character for her. So Louise yeah, well, being I back in the story. Mikasa regrets that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't go so well, did it? Uh, but it's, it's Sayama's ability to kind of like come back around to something that happened I guess we got that chapter March 2015, five years ago almost. And is she going to regret that moment or build on it? I don't know. It's it's such a small point, but the whole Louise scarf Mikasa thing, it's one of those little fun things for me to see how that's all going to tie back in. Here, here's something I can say. I feel worse for her than I do for Annie. And that's because her character has had so many moments and opportunities to develop her character, and it feels like Isayama just beats her down every opportunity he gets, and she's never been thrown the bone of character development that I think other characters have had. 
I feel so bad about how many times I've had to personally talk trash about Mikasa because I, <laughs> she, I, she's, I like, so what we're, what, this is chapter 125 and I'm still beating on the same point beating about five years ago. That at one point it felt good because I'm an asshole, <laughs> but now it's just sad. Like I do want better for this character who could have been better. She had the potential to be amazing. It's just so little has been done for her that I just can't help but pity what she could have been. I, I see that frustration expressed a lot in the fandom. And all I can say is it's not over yet. And she, I think the signs, the hope, there's lots of teasing about what could be. And I, if it comes through in the end, if the payoff is there, I'll be delighted. At the end of the series, that's where it'll be if it's going to happen. Do you think she'll be redeemed in your eyes if that does happen? No. Like her character? Okay. <laughs> it's never enough. You're, you're definitely in the camp of it's too late. Too little, too late. Done. Yeah, it, I think it'd be great for her character to eventually get there. But it should have happened a while ago. This is like the, this is a, this is a. Like Ani coming that? back? This is, a, this is a participation trophy, basically. If, yeah. that, if we get to that point. It, it reminds me a lot of Nitaku's rant about having characters there doing nothing is worse than not having characters there at all. Are you saying you also don't like Connie now? What? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that covered um, Sergeant Gross's question. Um, <laughs> what else did we want to talk about, about the whole Armin and Mikasa interaction there? I was happy in the poll that the fandom like uniformly agrees that him blasting her was not nice. Most people have said that it was understandable. We've got 63% saying that it was wrong in some capacity. And, uh, you know, that would mean that 33% think that he was in the right. I love that moment for Armin. I think it's awesome. I kind of hate that we're beating the same story point again, but... This is just this is a character moment that I still appreciate. That horse isn't dead for me, I guess. <laughs> How did you guys feel about Isayama bringing up the Armin versus Erwin thing the umpteenth time in the story? Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But I feel like Erwin fans get blamed for it. Like we're not the ones putting this in the story. Don't don't Beat us for this. <sighs> Listen, man, Erwin's been dead for years. You can't go to my you can't go to my freaking grave and start pissing on it just because someone thought of me. It helps nothing. It makes me it always makes me feel happy to see Erwin's name in the manga and references to him, but not like this. This just makes people angry. I think people should be bothered by this. Uh, and it's for the point that I just said, which is we're rebating the same story point. We had a very thorough and very lengthy look at this topic and this message. We got it. We're moved on. I don't know why we're here again. I think this question of Armin versus Erwin, uh, when we mentioned the this month's poll on the subreddit, somebody made the comment that they hope that we do this long after the 
after the series ends, just to kind of like do retrospectives, which I think would be fun. And this is definitely one of those questions that in retrospect, we'll have a more interesting answer because right now, just slightly over half, 53% of the fandom think that, yeah, Erwin was definitely the better choice. And I think that that's an easy assumption to make because the world is literally on fire now and anything would be better than what's happening now. It's kind of the worst time to be asking that question. We need to see how the story ends before we can truly answer it. Yeah. Next topic. Any fun theories about the scarf? I don't particularly care. <laughs> the only thing that's interesting to me about the scarf is that 13% of the fandom thinks that Aaron took it via proxy. And I'm just, I would love to ask one of those people. Why? What do you think he's going to do? Like, what? why would he want that scarf gone? If it was Aaron via proxy, it's either very sentimental that is kind of, it's something that Aaron's going to put in a box and not let anybody know that he has. Or he's anticipating another interaction with Mikasa at some point, <laughs> and that will be a tool for him. I, the scarf has always represented having a home, having a place where you belong. There's definitely piles of symbolism there. Well, that brings us to Flock and Jean. Uh, yeah, so we got a lot of questions regarding Flock and Jean. Let's see. Nasan from Reddit asks a lot of questions. Um, he asks, why did Jean hesitate when Flock called him a bastard? Did Sean actually take the rocks? Or do you think it was a drawing error? And why is Flach bluffing about Hanji and Levi's fate? So those are like the three questions I want to focus on. First, let's start with the, the rock question. So there was a pile of rock next to Jean, and then they were missing in the next panel. Is Flach getting his head smashed in by Jean or not? <laughs> I want to know. Uh, I'm going to say no. I think it's a drawing error. Uh, the second panel where Flock says, I think this got the message across, Jean is standing over what looks like a pile of glass. To me, if you're, if you're going to try and sneak attack someone, I tend to kill them, uh, I would take the glass over the rock. If you're going to shank <laughs> someone, you do it with a bit of glass, <laughs> not a pebble. Yeah. So... The idea that like he's hiding a rock to, to try and sneak it, that's no. I think that's silly. That it has to be a drawing error. Because otherwise, why a rock <laughs> and not glass? I am team. so much better. I am team. It was deliberate. And that John pocketed that rock. Because that look he gives to Anyon Kapan. Like, I am so, even if, I, I think there's guns everywhere. Jean can wrestle a gun away and shoot him in the head, but I still love the idea of like him grabbing the rock, like showing resistance. Because to me, that would identify just any sort of not sitting there dumbly staring at this crazy man, but already formulating an idea of this guy's got to go. So I'm in the camp that it is not an artistic error. So Luna, you are our tiebreaker. Dun, dun, dun. Oh yeah, he he got that those rocks, and he's gonna bang. And I, I'm looking forward to it because his hand is like open when the rocks are still there, and then his hand is closed when the rocks are missing. I feel like it's not a drawing error. 
But I also didn't notice it until it was pointed out to me. So I think it's subtle. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jean attempts to kill his homeboy. So the other question that I want to talk about next is why is Floch bluffing about Hanji and Levi? Just to be hateful, like just to demoralize them. Yeah, I was racking my brain on that one, and I really didn't come up with an answer, because the only thing I could think is that he wants to, he's lying to them for some kind of benefit. Like, he doesn't want them to know he's there alive, because that somehow benefits him. And I cannot come up with the answer to what that is. What is the benefit? There's something that benefits him. It gives them hope. I mean, his whole thing about demoralizing the volunteers, you know, your land is gone, your families are dead, swear allegiance or die. So now to Jean, Hanji and Levi are dead, you lose, I win, let's go back and be heroes. You know, I think it's just Mm -hmm. him trying to demoralize everyone and further secure his position as emperor of the grounds of paradise. I hate him so much. I mean, he's entertaining, but God, (laughs) what a horrible person. He's a weasel. Yeah, I wonder, maybe he is so deluded that he thinks he actually killed them while they were escaping. He did fire his gun into the river. So maybe he thought his shots magically did the right thing. Maybe he thought the bullets were ordained and (laughs) found their targets. I like that he blamed it on Zeke as well. Not like the Jaeger. It's like, we did it. No, Zeke did it. (laughs) I'm on a Discord with a bunch of Reddit guys. And this point of confirmation that Aaron told Flock his plan and trusted Flock has kind of shaken their faith, or at least some of their faith. And that's why we put that one on the poll about, has your faith in Aaron been shaken? I see a lot of people really struggling to reconcile. Did Aaron actually confide all of this in Flock? Like, or is Flock lying to secure his position? I mean, I think it's obvious, and, and the poll results reflect it, that obviously Aaron told him some of it. He is Flock's representative, that doesn't mean that they're completely in lockstep with everything that's happening right now. But the fact that Aaron chose him of all people to run the ground show is horrifying. I'm going to say I don't believe that he gave Flack the entire plan. I, I think he gave him bits and pieces of it enough to accomplish the goal, but not tell him, you know, the whole grand scheme of things. There's some bits he probably left as gaps because there are things he probably didn't want Flock getting involved in, or things that Aaron wanted to take care of himself, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think it's all delegated to Flock, but some of it has to be. Well, he's lying about Levi and Hanji. He could be lying about Aaron's orders, but I'm kind of with you. I think, you know, Aaron did choose him to be his guy, as terrifying as that prospect is. (laughs) So he said it in front of a group of people. He's trying to convince people, right? I'm imagining that Flock probably doesn't understand the whole plan himself, but he needs to be convincing. He knows enough about what Aaron's doing that he can probably wing it because he's the kind of character who would wing it to accomplish whatever task he's set about. So he, as his official representative, who he, that he should have a badge, like a little pin to put on his uh, uniform to represent that, he will do everything in his power as the representative to speak on Aaron's behalf without having the same information, without having the same plans, without having the same goals. That makes sense. 
that moment though, where Jean, I mean, like that, I ha- I laughed so hard. Who asked you to start acting like you're king of the hill here? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, Jean. Listen up, everyone. <laughs> Ten months ago, Aaron told me his plan. I just, that was like, he literally is circus master. He is standing in the center ring. Well, people are jumping who I I just that was so funny. That alone, I okay, maybe that's why people selected MVP because mm-hmm. God, that was hilarious. I the voice acting needs to kill it on that. When we oh my god, it needs to be beautiful. <laughs> I also like the transition from like the Eldians in uh Liberio grabbing the guns from the guards and then shifting to Shada's point of view gunshots. That was also a very good transition. And this is the part I was referencing earlier about the, wouldn't you rather live than die like this? What, why would you want to die for your pride? What's so bad about submission? Yeah. And I've seen some speculation that maybe he's being forced to submit. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And that he's actually a good guy and he doesn't want to do all this. And he has to pretend to have fun doing this. We have too much time between chapters. <laughs> that's, that's the real problem. Mm-hmm. If anyone that reads the manga goes back to the anime when a new season comes out and you watch all of the things unfold at once, you see the adaptation of the anime, you see how much faster it goes, you notice how much easier it is to miss all of the small things that we pick apart in between the months waiting for chapters. Because we have all this time to sit here and look at every panel, look at these lines, and just... We ask the questions, we talk to people, we have the discussion to try and figure out what's going on. We have a month to do that versus the five seconds that it happens. (laughs) That's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) We have such a great investment in this that when it goes by so fast in the anime, it almost like takes away from the enjoyment of of it for a little bit. Because like when I'm watching Serum Bowl in the anime, or when I'm watching, you know, Berthold in the Armin being cooked alive thing that happens super quick in the anime and in the manga we're like it's a half a year <laughs> six months of agony settled in 10 minutes to me it feels a little because dis- i like as much as i enjoyed it i wish i could enjoy it for longer yeah like the, like the time we had appreciating it in the manga when it first came out is the best we'll ever get of it I don't think the message about Flock's line about being forced to submit being a good thing. I don't. It's just a moment. And it's fun to think about and to add that to what we know about him as a character. But it's not an indication of any big character change coming up for him. This is who he is. He still is making a speech in front of people. Yes. So this, so this, is, still <laughs> part of, this is still part of his uh, pitch, if you will. He's still in the center of the circus ring. Did anybody think that Jean is seriously considering even momentarily, with this idea that it's over and that he can have an easy life. I don't think he is. I think he's shocked and horrified. I think it's a 50-50. I am not confident in saying one way or the other which one's true, because historically, Jean was the character who wanted that easy life his flock is trying to appeal to. On the other hand, he's grown greatly since then. There's a temptation here, but is Jean going to give in to it? Uh, it's a 50-50. I don't, I don't think Jean is tempted by Floch at all. No way. Especially not by the way it's being offered to him. I think he just was shocked in the way that, like, yeah, there was just a callback to how he used to be. But he made a choice long, long ago after Marco died. Like, 
that there's more important matters he needs to do. That's my thought. That selfish bastard, that's 12-year-old or 14-year-old Jean Karstein. That's not 19-year-old. And the fact that he even fell to his knees when Flock shot that guy shows that he is horrified. I mean, this actually kind of reminds me of that scene in the woods with Levi, when Levi's grabbing his head saying, what was this for? I think Jean is having that, I have done all of these things for all of these years. What was this for moment? His immediate reaction to Flock's words were, what did you just call me? Like he's in total disbelief that Flock would even think that's something that he still is after everything he's given. The only contrarian point I could think of here is like Jean's character, they've been through so much over the last few years. It could be that he's just weighed down by the amount of things that happened and he's ready for it to be over. Maybe he wants it to be over. Maybe he's tired of the fighting. Maybe it's hard for him to keep going. That's possible. But I think it's more likely, if we're going to subscribe to the rock theory, is that he's lulling Flock into security by, oh, maybe I, maybe I do believe you. Maybe you're right. Stab in the neck with the rock. Right? <laughs> maybe he grabs some glass, too. Stellar for you, I hope he shanks it with the glass and not. I don't know what a rock could actually do against Flock, but. It, this is why it should have been the glass. Because it's it so, should have. so much better. Come on. Why are the mechanics always so bad? <laughs> I can't. Why is it always like this? Do the thing better, man. Ugh. <laughs> so Haunters on Twitter, that's in. Who's killing Flock? I want it to be Elena, but I think it'll be Jean. So, okay, go on the record. Who's killing Flock? My guess is Flock is going to meet his own demise by the hands of Flock himself. How? I don't know, but I feel like he will get overconfident and then do something like, like cartoon Squad. Yeah, no, like he's fighting someone and they're on the edge of this big abyss and he takes a step back and he falls down and something like that. Something like Disney villain-esque. Didn't Gaston die like that? And like the, the witch from Snow White? Okay. I tried to take the question from that same angle where what's going to be the most poetic way for this to go? <laughs> and uh, so my first thought was, I'd like to see Aaron kill <laughs> That would be fun, too. I think in the poll, um, Aaron is at 4%. They don't, that's a tiny, tiny. It, it is. It's a very oddball theory, but I'd like to see Flock get betrayed as the way that he dies. So I selected Mikasa, but Luna, I think you've swayed me. Like, I think the rocks couldn't kill Flock. <laughs> um, Unless the attack. Glass. Right, right. <laughs> That's the problem. Flock, <laughs> Flock is clearly rock immune. We've already settled this with the Beast Titan. Yes. Flock? <laughs> He'll dodge. He uh-huh. was trained by Piccolo. Yes, you have swayed me now. Flock is kind of like, he just lucks out of death at the hands of everyone else. For him to do something totally stupid and kill himself, I think it's perfect. Or like, they imprison him and he chokes on his food or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. something dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Like he survived the beast Titan, but then, you know, he, tri- he trips over a banana peel and breaks his neck. Something like that. I'm on your team now. We, we see this <laughs> eye to eye. Yay. So I want to thank everyone who's sending questions about Flo and John. Also, then uh, 
soap or soapy. We're asking also about Hunchy and Levi and why Floch said that they were killed by Sieg. So that brings us to Connie and Falco. We have one more question from Haunters. Haunters thought that Zeke would be sacrificed since he's the one who caused them all the suffering. So what are your theories about it? What will Connie do with Falco? Because Haunter seems to think that Armin and, Ga- and or Gabby will talk Connie out of this. The poll at this point, 42% think Connie will be swayed by Falco's purity and have a change of heart. 30% think that Armin and Gabby will ride to the rescue. And then the rest think that he will escape on his own or mm. via his Titan powers. I think what that tells me is like, nobody thinks he's going to go through with it. Successfully feeding Falco to his mom, 1.3% believe. <laughs> I mean, if they are right, we owe 15 people in this fandom like an award <laughs> or something. If they are right, I will fly to Japan and get me some glass and shank Isayama. <laughs> so Stiller, Falco is Luna's guy. She will protect him at all costs. So this is not a good part of the story for her. Listen, this kid has been in too much danger. This has not been good in my heart, this shit series. It's been hell. So I think you need to answer this question, though. What do you think about Connie's choice? What What's going to happen here to this little guy? Well, as much as I would like to think that he will have a change of heart, I would much rather see Falco figuring out what Connie's planning to do and just figure out that he has a jaw titan. Which will horrify the poor kid because that means he ate pork. <laughs> but then he'll be able to escape and then I don't know where they go from there. Besides Connie, I really think Connie needs to settle this with Zeke. The only real idea I had for that I 100% believe Connie right now intends to feed here. Yeah. However, I also believe he will have the change of heart because it's super easy to, to make that connection where there's a panel in here where he, like the panel is a flashback of his family and they're all happy and they want me to be a soldier. I'm going to protect everyone. Look how happy everyone is. Man, life is great. What I would like to see is I would like to see him actually get there and have the opportunity to make mm-hmm. the, to make the feed and decide not to do it because he looks at his mom and he thinks this isn't what she would want. She would want me to protect this kid who's in a bad situation. This is the job I have as a soldier. Yeah. I'm supposed to be a protector, even though this sucks. My life sucks. I'm (laughs) very frustrated and I can't do anything about it. That's his entire character. And it's great. Yeah. If they make it to Ragako and I'm wrong, that Falco will escape beforehand. That's what I think will happen as well. But I... Uh, you could do both, actually, couldn't you? Yeah, but then I, I'd rather have him have a change of heart. And then... Or, like, on the way over. Like, uh, you know, F- F- Connie is reasonably upset with everything and everyone, but it's not Falco's fault, so he cannot... He's not the kind of person, I think, that would blame Falco or let Falco suffer the consequences for other people's mistakes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's no way he's going through with it. No way. So in the final panel, uh, we see Falco looking at Connie and being like, well, I kind of recognize this person, but I'm not sure from where. Do you think it has to do with the time they were on the airship or the Zeppelin, the blimp together? Or has it, is it some paths related stuff? 
Is it Emir's memories? Yeah. That's the big one. As much as I hate memory stuff, I love, I need more resolution with Emir <laughs> so badly that I'm open to either. I hate mechanics in this series. So <laughs> I want to say it's the blimp. I'll be team blimp too. I'm team yeah. blimp. Normally I'm the logical, I'll go for the logical choice and would be team blimp. But I don't know, something about how he said it immediately made me think, oh, he has memories from Emir, which is crazy because he just got the Titan. So he doesn't even know he has the Titan yet. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. know Colt is dead yet. <laughs> I mean, this poor kid. Maybe it would be more kind to feed him to Connie's mom because <laughs> otherwise he's going to have to I, live Colt's death twice. I so do not regret the gifts I bought you today. Let me just tell you. <laughs> you have something to look forward to. <laughs> I think this does create an unknown element, though, because fresh Titan shifters are not well in control of their abilities if they're not super experienced, right? Mm. So he may be experiencing memories and not aware of how that works. It could be that like he's, he's tapping into that feed and not knowing about it, and that's where the influence is coming from. But I hate that justification, because I hate that mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's totally viable, but I don't like it. Well, we'll find out soon enough. At least this year, I'm sure. We hope. We hope. <laughs> Isayama needs that spa, so <laughs> he'd better... So now we get to go to my favorite part of the chapter. What did you put in the podcast, Doc? The mummy returns, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, was anybody here in their wildest of wild fantasies expecting Magath? Last chapter, everyone's conversation was Magath was like a top pick for probably dead and nobody thought peak was uh you know everyone's thinking that peak is gonna find zeke did anybody anybody speculate peak and magath wandering outside the walls running into levi and hanji like i want to meet the person who predicted that because i sure didn't did you guys <laughs> absolutely not no i was surprised that they made it out even yes so we can talk about how bad the mechanics of the attack on titan world are if you want i will I think time frame runs into this as well. But anyway, here they are. The commanders are together. And this is the part of the chapter that just filled me with so much optimism. And I just really, really hope that that optimism wasn't placed there for me to be crushed next chapter. What is the optimism towards? My number one optimism is that we've got the big heads together. Magath, Peak, and Hanji they're the decision makers. They're the thinkers. They're the people that if there was ever going to be anything brokered, these are the ones that need to come together. We've got basically the leader of, well, the official leader of Paradise at this point, Hanji, with Magath together, both wanting to stop this. I just have a lot of excitement there. Somebody was talking to me yesterday, my friend Kingsgrave, about it's a theory, but of Magath being some kind of like a Douglas MacArthur type in the outworking of a peaceful resolution. And we've already speculated about Reiner being that Helos, you know, we need a character who, if this is going to end without the entire world dying and destroying Paradise in return, there needs to be a cover story for everything that's going on 
And I just think the characters who could do that are together now. And I like that. The optimism at the potential. Yes. And Hanji just waltzing in like, that guy over there, no need to worry. Nothing more than a harmless man who just refuses to die. I mean, I never expected Levi to be dead. So this confirmation of his being alive is no surprise to me. But Hanji's optimism is a surprise to me. That I was not expecting. I'm not surprised by it because I think that's totally every every bit of her in this scene is totally in character for her. Oh, absolutely. It was so good to see Hanji back in form. Yeah. Especially when the characters I care about in this story are also dwindling and two of the three of them are right there. So I'm very happy about this. I was just thinking this is kind of like a mixed bag for me because Hanji is the only one in this scene I really kind of care about. Levi, I have much more mixed feelings on. The rest of these guys, though, I really do not. I, I don't care. <laughs> You're not a fan of the Marleans? No. Well, uh, McGoth and Peak specifically, I, I was never interested in them. They never did anything to capture my attention. I like them. What about you, Luna? Yeah, so um, I don't dislike McGothrope, but they're not like ranked very high for me either. Um, I will say that to me this uh, was an unexpected encounter, but it is giving me some sort of hope uh, like you, Montaku, for the future, because I do feel like Magoth and Hanji will try and work something out to either stop the rumbling from reaching the rest of the world, or trying to save as much of humanity as possible and rebuilding from whatever is left. So this is not a case of wrong manga? Uh, it might actually for the very first time not be. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We've had two well, points. We'll see how agreement. it goes if Isayama crushes all our dreams. And <laughs> okay. Well, a lot of people, when I mentioned that it, it made me optimistic, I think a lot of people felt and even the chapter title, Sunset, uh, yeah. I don't know. Did you see the post by um, Suki no Yura about the meaning of, this, of the chapter title? Um, I'm not sure I did, but uh, can you recap it for us? Yes. So the Japanese term used for the title of this is literally like frying the sky. And it's kind of the concept of the red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky in morning, sailors take warning type thing. But it's... It's a expression that's normally used positively. So the, the term used for this particular type of sunset is a flaming red sunset that could be a harbinger of something good, which, okay. and I think all the callbacks to Irwin in this chapter, uh, the chapter where Irwin died was called Midnight Sun. And of course, that's a celestial phenomenon where sunset never happens. It, it, it's kind of a cold, empty feeling. So the chapter title could be some, an indication of better things to come. Like we, the worst has happened and now we're going to pick it up. And I really like that. I was just thinking, I, I remember from one of the last podcasts you guys did with Nitaku, who said that he was a cynic. I am also a cynic. And historically, I always said, 
I think bad bad endings are more interesting and create more memorable character moments. So I had always said, man, if we could end, if we could have some kind of bad ending, if we could have people die when they don't need to. It could create really memorable character moments, even if it's a bad feeling, because it could give you a kind of a bittersweet sort of thing to remember. So I don't disagree that the phrasing here could be trying to signal better things to come, but that's not something I'm looking for. My beacon of inspiration from this chapter is that Annie's back and she can fix all the problems. <laughs> <laughs> trying to paint that on like the you know the uniting of Hanji and Magas, that doesn't do anything for me. Well, if Annie, if uh, and listen to me saying it like you and Luna, if Annie <laughs> Annie Honey. can work some if Annie can work some magic on Aaron, and then Magath and Hanji can come up with a plan. They could all be. I, I mean, I, I, I'm being dumb because we're not having a happy ending, right? This is not going to be. This is the Kumbaya. wrong manga moment. Yeah, <laughs> this is the apocalypse. But how do we fix what's left? I think the people are in place to fix what's left, and I don't know what that is. I'm excited to find out. Well, I don't know what they can do. What can they do? They can start carrying people over to paradise in the airships. That would help. Or evacuate. They can start evacuating. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they can make these plans, but we have to we have to deal with Aaron and that whole bit first. I think that's more important. And that's the 104th's job. And that those are the characters I don't actually care that much about. So <laughs> all those 104th people and Annie, go do your Aaron magic. The grown-ups of the series, you guys do your magic. grown-ups do the logistics. Yes. That's funny. Wouldn't it be amazing if in one manga, it's not the 15-year-old kids who save the world, but the actual adults? It would be shocking. That was my favorite thing about this chapter, though, is that while Armin, Jean, they're losing their heads, you've got Shadis keeping his head together you've got hanji you've, I mean, you've got all the grown-ups plus hitch and annie just staying cool as cucumbers what are we gonna do let's just make something happen i just i should i should point out this this is the most freaked out and like it head like in the head having issues that you'll see from annie right now you can't see it but this is this like her appearance in this chapter she's panicking she's having she's freaking out but you can't tell because that's who she is <laughs> it's like Levi freaking out. Maybe an eyebrow goes up. Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna exactly. Get. So Levi. Yeah. What do you guys? He looks cool. <laughs> do you think Levi will be able to participate in any capacity moving forward? Man, I hope not. <laughs> I Hush. definitely do not want that. <laughs> I think there's no place for that. I think he's done and we need to move on. The only thing I want from Levi, if we're going to keep rebeating story beats, is for him to give me another one of those, uh, make the choice that you won't regret. Yeah, a choice with no regrets. <laughs> so you think you do think he'll have the capacity to speak, to at least encourage somebody? Yeah, absolutely. Beyond that, no. Okay. Luna? Uh, well, I'm not really sure. Like, uh, looking at the poll... Um, I think I chose the option he will give an encouraging speech, 
for the lack of a better choice. Because um, <laughs> I don't see him fighting, but I also don't see him staying unconscious. But I hope he'll get to do more than speeching. However, I I don't really see him do much. Like, there's not much time left. And considering the current state he's in, oh, uh, yeah, I'm hoping for something more. But I'm, yeah, that's that's my point of view right now. Isn't the alternative to include him in the Connie shenanigans with the potential? The well, that's the question, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of people. In fact, I think that's something that um, one of our was it Monica So on Twitter. She hints to that in hers. So. Monica So from Twitter, do you guys think that Levi is able to turn into a Titan? At first, I thought Falco was going to be eaten by Levi, not my favorite ending, but now there's another Titan right in front of him. Do you guys think that Hanj will try to turn him? So this becoming another serum bowl is something a lot of people are worried about. And, you know, I personally don't think so. I don't think anyone's eating anybody before this manga ends, but... I mean, do you think Levi is going to be come a Titan? I sure, I sure hope not, because I think Levi would absolutely hate the ever-loving shit out of the idea of being the thing that he hates so much, that he kills so much of, that killed his friends. That, like he, the idea of being of the same blood, I would think, would drive him crazy. Well, we see what it did to Aaron, yeah, becoming the <laughs> thing that you hate. So. Yeah, and we don't even know for sure if Ackermans can actually. Right, that was part of Monica So's ask as well. Is he even able to turn into one? I don't think Hanji is willing to take that risk right now. No, I don't either. And I think she's too practical. I think she wants to end all of this. And I don't think turning Levi into like a walking tabletop is going to help things yeah if we felt she was desperate enough that she felt like she needed to do it to solve a problem maybe Mm, yeah i don't think we're actually at that point so the answer do we think levi is able to turn into a titan i i think probably but i don't think i don't know if we have the answer to that i don't know if we can have no we don't have the answer that is a detail that was never introduced this is a mechanic question I think them being in, in the paths realm kind of shocked some people because they weren't even sure if Ackermans could go into paths. Now that I think about it, since we're talking about mechanics, the answer is probably yes. <laughs> this, this, this story is, if Isayama needs him to become a Titan, then yes. If not, then no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then Honey Lemon is asking, do you think it will be enough to take down Aaron using the six remaining shifters or will Hanji Magath Armin come up with something completely different? I feel like Kaomi has something up her sleeve. So this is one of those big, I don't, is it possible to take Aaron down? Wouldn't it be funny if instead of like killing the rest of the world and saving parodies, they do something completely different. They will destroy parodies in order to save the rest of the world. How would they even do that, though? I don't know, but <laughs> they have the ice burst stones. They can figure out something. Kiyomi can drop some bombs from her plane. I don't know. But, like, all the, the titans are still there, right? On Paradis, right. The, the Colossals. So if they are going to do something to stop them, they have to do it quickly. At least for the outer wall titans. 
But we do have Historia and we do have Kiyomi. So we do, we do still have two more chess pieces that need to get back on the board in some capacity. Everybody's gone their separate ways now. Do we need them all to coalesce back at Historia's farm at this point? Yes. Yeah. Possibly like... I want to know what happened to Zeke. Where is he? Why is... I want him dead. That question when we did Sleeping Through the Apocalypse, who did it better? A lot of people felt like we should have had Zeke face down in the sand, <laughs> but I'm still not convinced that that was him. If it is, then he wins. <laughs> All right. I think we need to finish up yes. this podcast. Um, <laughs> Let's try. Any next chapter predictions? Ooh. That's a tough one. My answer is no. No idea. <laughs> Just going to wait and see. Can't wait. I want to see Annie try and get to a boat to get overseas to try and reunite with her dad. So ice, ice burst plane action. Yes. Yes. Steal the show. <laughs> Dad's <is> back. <laughs> this is what she was always meant to do. Uh, I would also, I'm also very interested to see what comes of the Connie situation. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but I kind of hope that he has that change of heart. I, I kind of like the idea of having both things happen at the same time. Having Connie have that change of heart and then having the kid break away at the same time. And winding up on Historia's farm. I need Historia back in the story. <laughs> and like my friend Emmy said, if Historia doesn't have an orphan farm for people like Gabby and Falco, then what even is the point of it? So they need to get together. They do. They really what about you, Luna? Next chapter predictions? I would like it if Armin and Gabby run into Annie and Hitch. I want to see those interactions. So Armin is so scared at the idea of seeing Annie again. <laughs> like, what does he think she's going to do? Smack him? Like, I can see Annie, like, kicking him in the dick and then Hitch applauding it for some reason. <laughs> well, Hitch already thinks he's a creep, yeah. so. <laughs> Get your hands off the crystal. <laughs> Part, yeah, exactly. Part of it depends on what Armin said to her while she was in the crystal, how much of it she actually caught, and then what Armin's fears are about confronting her again and having to interact with her to try and, you know, Hey, remember that thing that happened? Boy, that was bad. <laughs> he doesn't want that. I wonder how much of that is Bert's influence. None. Uh, I want to know if Annie's going to pick up on that at all. No. If she already if she already knows. <sighs> and if she does, what her reaction to it is going to be. Because like, she hasn't expressed any thoughts about the details that have happened while she's been away. She's just like, ah, oh, Hitch told me a bunch of stuff. Whatever. I want more than that. I want her to, if she's going to have that interaction with Armin next, to sort of review their development, see where they're at currently, and then reassess, rejudge, and make your plans is Armin going to try and talk her out of going to see her father? Is she going to try? Is he going to try and recruit her? If he tries to recruit her, she will probably say no because it's more important to her to go see her father than help Armin with whatever fucking nonsense. Yeah. He's up to. I think 
I think Armin just needs catharsis from Annie. Like I, I really think that's yeah. It. He's like me. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Armin is basically me because he's channeling Bert Holt, who's also <laughs> me. <laughs> now I like Bert Holt. Uh, every time you I say his name, it sounds like that. you're saying Bert Holt to me. <laughs> <laughs> Bert Holt. <laughs> Gotta say it right. <gasps> Bert Holt. Thanks. <laughs> Bert Holt did. Um. Yeah. <laughs> can I can I move us yeah, on, please? Yeah. I hope you guys put some thought into this last question because uh, it's from Aomi on Tumblr. Out of this final arc so far, what chapter has been your favorite? So, according to the wiki, we actually have eighteen plus chapters going now. This arc apparently started at Visitor with Hanji and Aaron in the jail. And carries through so far to this chapter, Sunset. So have you guys put any thought into this? What's your favorite chapter? I'm I'm struggling between three. So what a what a what a softball. Like, yeah. That's just right down the middle. So it's easy. For me. Is it? Come on, it's this chapter. It's this chapter. <laughs> oh, for you. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. For you. Yeah. <laughs> this is Stiller's favorite chapter. Yeah. What about you, Luna? This is my favorite <laughs> chapter of the last five years. <laughs> Uh, this is your reward for being head mod been, and all the things that you did for a fandom from 20. I've been waiting yes. for so long. It finally happened. When did you join the fandom? Were you 2014 or before? Were you? Uh, 2014. Wow. Okay, I thought so. You have earned this chapter. We will give it to you. This one is for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will gladly just take all of this chapter. This is, I. You can paper your uh, paper your bedroom with it or your hallway or something. Yeah, this is how I started the podcast by saying it was catharsis. I, that's I'm coming back to that because that man, it felt good. I'm guessing Luna, your favorite chapter this arc was um, brothers older and younger. Yes, yeah. Or maybe that was your least favorite since. No, I love 119. Okay, so that's your answer? Yes, absolutely. But I've said that before. I absolutely adored that chapter. I still like the Marley arc better, even though the best chapters so far have been probably in this arc. But mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like the Marley arc was a bit more consistent quality-wise as opposed to this one. But 119 was just bam, bam, bam. Just full-on stuff happening. Finally. <laughs> So I, for me, I'm struggling. I really loved um, Above and Below just because I do like Peak so much. And I have this thing where optimism, I love it. And Peak saying, you know, I don't trust Marley. I don't trust Eldia, but I trust the people I fight with. And grabbing Gabby's yeah. hand and jumping, like that moment, I cannot – that's the moment I would paper the rooms of my house. I just, <laughs> it was beautiful and to me, it's the mindset that I have held. But um, otherwise, I i mean, Island Devils was super cute, but I'm really loving this chapter. Like, this is the first time in forever that I've, I've felt excited again. So I think officially my answer is going to be either Children of the Forest, um, Above and Below, or this one. Annie is the omen of good things because... She takes all of the suffering in the series and she put it, she puts it onto herself. I am happy Annie is back. 
So I I agree with you. I am also happy that she is back. Well, that wraps up our manga discussion. After our break, we'll be back. See you in a short while. Fire round. Polka did send me some quick fire options for you guys. So I think I will start with Annie or Gabby. Annie. Gabby. Annie. <gasps> Magath or Hanji? Hanji. Maga. Hanji. Peak or Falco? Falco. Falco. I'm going to get in trouble, but Peak. Sorry, I love Falco, but Peak's beautiful. Irwin, you get, now you get to get back at me. Irwin or Reiner? Ooh, Irwin. Reiner. Erwin. Oh, Berthold or Connie? Mm, Berthold. Bert. Bert. <laughs> okay. Focus next one. Flock or the bullet? Okay, just kidding. <laughs> Yelena. <laughs> I guess Flock or Yelena. Uh, I'll say Flock. Uh, mm, Yelena? He gave me the option of the bullet. I'm taking it. <laughs> Jean or Mikasa? Jean. Anyang Kapan or Nicolo? <laughs> was that smooth? Yeah. That was smooth, right? Anyang Kapan. Is the bullet still left? Uh, Anyang Kapan then. Uh, Anyang Kapan makes it three. Annie's dad or Mr. Browse? Annie's dad. Mr. Browse. Mr. Browse. <laughs> Hitch or Sasha? Hitch. Mm, Sasha? Mm. Hitch. Marco or Marcel? Marcel. Hmm. Neither? Uh, Marco? I don't know. <laughs> Marco. Levi or Aaron? Mm, Aaron. Aaron. Levi? Historia or Sasha? Historia. Sasha. Zeke or the <laughs> Peace King Fritz? Now that, okay. So Zeke is kill all the Eldians. King Fritz is let us die out peacefully. I don't know. Zeke or Carl? <sighs> they both suck. I had to think about that one with Zeke for sure. I'm going to go with Peace King Carl because I didn't see him kill anyone, although he did turn all those people into wall titans. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's a tough one. And I think Polk is trying to get me to pick Zeke again. I'm going to go with Peace King Fritz just to be difficult. <laughs> and he did try to create a paradise. So, yeah. And he wants to know who will die next. Oh, open question? Yep. Who will die next? Mm, Historia's baby. Connie. I go with Shadis. <laughs> who will be most happy by the end of the story? Annie. Mamtaku's husband. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> my family, yeah. my life, my job. No, really, who will be most happy? Hmm. Oh, I hope Mikasa. 
I did too, but I think it's going to be Gabby and Falco. Oh, that could be. And then Polka ends it with Flock did nothing wrong. Smiley face. Uh, He was requested to be our guest this month because he is the Flock stand, but I just, I've had enough of Flock. So until Flock dies, Polka (laughs) is not our guest. I'll I'll get like the balloons and I'll buy a nice cake and we'll celebrate. Polka, thank you for sending us that. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for being our guest. We've loved having you. Not a problem. This was a blast. I was very happy to be here. It was a great chapter. It was a lot of fun recording this. It's a good time. How much deja vu has this given you? Oh, a yeah. lot. <laughs> and a lot of, in a lot of different ways. <laughs> like I'm just remembering the process for recording the podcast, the process for talking on the podcast, for interacting with the other people on the podcast. Thankfully, I don't have to do the next part, which is editing. <laughs> which is going to be a lot of funding that we had so many technical issues. Yeah. Right. But the, the whole thing, it was just fan- it was so much fun. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Thank you. If you want to support us, please subscribe to us, like our videos, and consider supporting us on Patreon. We also really appreciate seeing the podcast being talked about, the comments, the interactions, and uh, the asks that you send us. So thank you very much. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you, as always, for offering your hearts and your ears. And see you next month. Bye. Bye. See ya. Welcome to the 2020s, Stiller. This is different from when you did your podcast. We now have Craig Vaught to do the recording. I'm sure you guys had like some daisy chain, sunflower, mat configuration that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. We didn't have automation back in my day. Yeah. <laughs> it was all done by me. <laughs> okay, Boomer. This is how we do it. <laughs>